your goodness. We praise you that whatever we go through, we know that we can go through it with you and you are worthy of praise. But God, sometimes we forget that. Help us to remember. Help us now as we look at your word. Would you please speak to us through your Holy Spirit? Would you please strengthen us to keep walking with you the way that you want us to? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going through this sermon series here, walking through the book of 1 Thessalonians. We've been doing it for quite a while, and we're getting towards the end. And as I said last Sunday, oftentimes when the Apostle Paul gets to the end of one of his letters, he gives a long list of instructions and commands, and that's what we're in right now. So chapter 5, verses 12 through 28, we're breaking it into three parts. This is the second part. It might actually be the, the shortest passage of Scripture I've ever preached on at Cornerstone. We'll see. doesn't mean it's going to be my shortest sermon, though. I do apologize for that ahead of time. It's not going to be my longest, either, I don't think. Um, just to help us remind, remember where we've come from, two themes from the book of 1 Thessalonians. The first one, the gospel will have a very powerful impact in our lives if we allow it to take root. That means that the gospel is powerful not just the moment we received it, nor is it just powerful the moment that we get to see God face to face, but the gospel will keep changing us as we keep walking with Jesus. And then the second theme is that the gospel will have a very powerful impact in the lives of people around us if we spread it. Now, we're going to focus on that first theme there from 1 Thessalonians today. We're going to look at some commands, but the, the idea here with these commands is that they will, they will change our lives. God will change our lives as we submit to him, as we remember to continue to live out the gospel, because remember, it's, it's not a message that we receive and then put aside. The gospel message is a message we receive and continue to embrace. And as we continue to embrace it, including the commands, then God will do his wonderful work to change us. But the commands that we're going to look at today, even though they're short, they're very powerful, and they are very difficult to live out. Uh, an illustration here reminds me, last Saturday, Christine said something to me that was very short, uh, but very difficult to live out. She said to me, Eric, and then the next six words were hard to live out. She said, can you fix our leaky faucet? And <laughs> sure, I got this. Go to YouTube, look it up. The, the two videos that I looked at, they were about the same. I mean, it was just simple. Do you need this part, and you do this, and this, and this? All right, yes, I can do this. So I got right to work on it, went to the store, got the part that I needed, and uh, I, I looked at the YouTube video again. Step one, go to the sink, did it, done. Step two, easy, did it. Step three, easy. Step four, on the video, they <laughs> just, just dropped the piece. It was a, a sink cartridge. That's what I needed. Just dropped the cartridge in. And I think on, there were two videos I was watching. On one of them, they just had to just kind of gently twist it a little, and it fell in. I put mine in, and it didn't go all the way to the bottom. Uh, it was a, there was like a quarter of an inch left that it needed to go down. And I thought, maybe if I just push on it a little bit harder. So I you know, kind of got my leverage up there and I pushed on the thing and didn't go down as far as it needed to go down. And then I started to think, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I'll just take the thing out. So I tried to take the thing out and I couldn't get it out. So I couldn't get it down, I couldn't get it out. So what do I do? I call my friend the plumber. And uh, <laughs> in about... 45 minutes to an hour's worth of time, he was able to undo what I did <laughs> and put the old cartridge back in. And we decided in that period of time that uh, maybe we just need a new faucet. So, uh, oh, there he is. There, the, that's the guy that helps right, right on cue. Adam, say, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we planned it that way. <laughs> uh, so, yes, he, like I said, he was able to undo what I did. And I was able to go to the store and get a new faucet. And by myself, I might add, <laughs> yeah, um, 
put in the new faucet, get it in. I had to go to the store another time. But all told, I, I gather it took about six or seven hours of my time, plus another hour of Adam's time, to do this, can you fix the leaky faucet? Um, very easy to understand what she wanted me to do. <laughs> Not as easy to live it out. For, oh, I forgot to pray first. Yeah. Can I tell you, this is just totally aside here. There was another part of it that was like, I just can't get it. I just can't. Every, I've tried, every, like for years I've tried to fix this part of our sink. And finally I said, I think my prayer was, God, can you throw me a bone? And uh, I kid you not, like 10 seconds later, an idea popped into my mind and it worked. And it, so anyways, that was pretty cool. I should have I started with prayer, Ingwald. Thanks a lot for your advice now. <laughs> I should have called you first. <laughs> okay. Oftentimes in the Bible, it's not the verses that are difficult to understand that are difficult to live out. Um, there's one theologian, I forget who it was, he said, it's, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't know that trouble me, it's the parts that I do know. Um, for example, just think of this. Love your neighbor as yourself. We know what that means, but how hard is that to live out? Or there's a command in the Bible, do not worry. We're commanded not to worry about anything. Pretty easy to live out? Uh, no. Or another one, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Think about that. We, when we sin against God, we're pleased to think, oh yeah, God will forgive me. That's what he does. And he welcomes me back into a, a relationship with him. But then when somebody sins against you, are you that quick, as quick as the Lord, to forgive them? Or make disciples of all nations. Now, we know what it means, but it's difficult to live it out. So, with our passage today, it's the same way. Short, but powerful, and very difficult to live out. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Three short, pretty simple verses. Uh, we're going to walk through each of them. The first one, verse 16, Be joyful always. I actually prefer the translations of this one that say rejoice always, um, the command in this verse isn't just that we would put on a happy face or that we would pretend that bad stuff isn't really bad. That, uh, that's going to be a theme throughout my sermon today. We never have to pretend that bad stuff isn't bad. God doesn't do that. God doesn't look at something that's evil and call it good. We don't have to do that either. No, the command here is a choice that we, remake, that we make to rejoice always. And again, it, it's simple to understand. To rejoice means to choose an attitude of joy. So let's start by looking at what the word joy means. There are a couple of ways that I might define the word joy. For one, I think it's a combination of peace and contentment. As we trust that God is sovereign, that God is in control, we can therefore trust that whatever he allows to come into our life will also come with the strength that he provides. And if we remember that, we can have this peace and this contentment that change our heart, and we can have joy in whatever circumstance we go through. Now, another way that I like to define the word joy is just very simply that we rejoice when things are good. In the Bible, it talks about how a woman, even though she goes through labor, when the baby comes, she rejoices. She forgets the pain and she rejoices because of the joy. Uh, that she has because of a new baby. Or we might even think of it just very simply, we rejoice when we have a good meal. 
or when the Timberwolves finally win a playoff game like they did last night. Um, now, believe me, I know, and we'll talk about this in a moment, we, we, our joy shouldn't just come from the, the circumstances of life. I should be able to have joy even if the Timberwolves never win a playoff game again. But let's not overthink it either. We rejoice when things are good. Now, here's the tricky part. For the Christian, when are things good? There's a, there's a powerful verse that tells us exactly when things are good. Romans 8, 28, it says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So if we rejoice when things are good, when are things good? Always. Now I get it. I, I, I know that, that life gets in the way. We'll talk about that. We never have to pretend that bad is good. But even in difficult times, we can choose to rejoice because we trust that God is with us. We trust that he's working for the good. So there are no exemptions to this command to rejoice always. Now let's think about that. When are some times in life where we would be tempted not to rejoice? Let's say you're on your way to somewhere important. You're driving and your car breaks down. What's the thought that goes through you? It's probably, oh great, this has to happen now. This is awful. Now I'm not saying that you have to say, woohoo, my car broke down. But even in that circumstance, we can choose joy because this is something that God has allowed to happen in our lives. Or let's think of something much more serious than that. Let's think about the death of a loved one. And, and I'm not talking about that 117-year-old who's been waiting to go to heaven for 20 years. I'm talking about the person who is, it was a tragedy or they just got really sick and no, we don't have to say, wow, I'm so glad they died. That's not what it means to rejoice. But even in our grief, we can have joy as we think about the gospel message, as we think about what God has done to defeat the powers of death. In 1 Thessalonians 4.13, we're told that we don't have to grieve like the rest of this world who has no hope. You see, in Christ, death has been defeated. So yes, we grieve. Grief is a, should be a, a very real part of, of our experience as we lose loved ones. But even in our grief, we can have that, that peace and that contentment, that joy that goes beyond our circumstances. Because in Christ, you can have joy in the midst of anything. So, are you a rejoicer? Are you somebody who the, just kind of the natural disposition is to rejoice? Well, maybe that doesn't actually define anybody as, a, as the natural disposition. Um, it's, it's something that we can learn, though. It's something that we can learn as we go through life to choose to rejoice. It's something that we can learn because we can see things the way that God wants us to see them. Because when we walk closely with God, we get a different perspective on, on life. We gain His perspective on life. We know that God is always working for good for those who love Him. Now, let me say a few other things about joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. I often go back to this passage in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. I just think it's so helpful. So joy being a fruit of the Spirit it means that it's something that God gives us as we continue to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's where, it's, here's where it gets difficult. Again, this, this sermon today is meant to be a little bit difficult, and it's difficult for me, I promise you, to live out. Um, so think about this. You don't have joy in your life. What went wrong? Did God run out of joy to give you? Did, did he say, oh, sorry, I haven't tended that tree in a while. I'm sorry, I forgot to give it. No. Did God overlook us? No. If there's, if there's a lack of joy in our life, it is because 
we have not been, not been walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. We've not been embracing what God has for us. And if you find yourself there, what do you do? You just talk to God. It's actually very simple. Say, God, there's, there's something wrong in my soul. I can feel it. That's a great prayer, by the way. Just to, just to open up, just to say to God, I know that something is wrong with me. Would you help me understand what it is? I see that there's been a lack of joy in my life. Would you please help me with that? And God can produce that kind of joy in you. Now, I have struggled with joy many times in my life. Uh, many of you have probably been in a study with me where we've walked through the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and I ask the question, which ones of these come easily for you, and which comes with more difficulty? And oftentimes, as I, I think about that second question, which of the fruit of the Spirit come with more difficulty for me, I often pick joy out of that list as one that is not as easy for me. And I, I remember one time thinking, I just want to meet this head on. If it's a fruit of the Spirit, God wants me to have it. I want to know what it is and how I can have it. So I got out my Bible concordance, and I looked up the word joy, and I said, I, I just want to look at this until I see what God has for me. And I remember the verse that I found that day. It's Isaiah 12:3 says, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Or you could also translate it the springs of salvation. And the idea is there that, that God has a never-ending supply of joy for us that has everything to do with salvation. That for those of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, we know that, that we are ultimately protected from the worst thing that could ever happen to us. And, and because God brings us to himself and because God has a never-ending supply of joy. That means that we can keep going and drawing water, that joy water, from the wells of salvation. Whatever happens to us, we can rejoice in the God who loves us and saves us. Again, we can keep drawing water from that well that will never run out. In fact, Jesus told his disciples that, that when he was crucified, they would grieve, but when they saw him again, they would rejoice, and no one could take away their joy. And so it is with us. We live on that side of the resurrection that, that no one can take away our joy. If God's going to give it to us, no one can take it away from us. So again, that, that's where it gets convicting for me. If I have a lack of joy, it's, it's that there's something wrong inside of me and I need to go to God and talk about that. So what should be our response as we think about this command, as we think about joy? Well, it's actually pretty simple. Obey this command to rejoice always. Sometimes you get joy by rejoicing. Does that make sense? Sometimes it's an act of your will to say, I choose to rejoice in this circumstance of life. And that's when God gives you joy. See, our world really struggles with true joy. Now, like I said before, we all have things that we enjoy. Like I enjoyed watching the Timberwolves clobber the Rockets yesterday. That was fun to see because they did it to us the game before. Um... We all have our good moments, but we all also have our bad moments. We all also have those times where we, we struggle to have joy. Now, the kind of joy that we're talking about today is not a joy that is governed by our circumstances. The kind of joy we're talking about is a joy that flies in the face of certain circumstances in life. It's a joy that God will give us in the midst of whatever we go through if we choose to rejoice, if we choose to trust in His goodness. So let's rejoice and let's do it always. Okay, our second command today. Pray continually. We don't need to talk. We got this one, right? No problem. Should we just move on to that? No, I'm kidding. Pray continually. How difficult is this one to live out? It's almost, I mean, only, in only two words, Paul has 
given us something here that will take a lifetime to figure out. Now, I mentioned this earlier in my sermon series. The Apostle Paul doesn't just command other people to do this. He's already modeled this for us. In fact, twice in the book of 1 Thessalonians, he said that he's praying continually. He also says the same thing in Romans 1 and 2 Timothy 1. And I think what Paul means by this kind of prayer is that prayer should continually be on our minds. I, I don't think that it means that we always fold our hands and bow our heads in prayer. I think it means carrying with us an attitude of prayer. I ran across this quote this week from Leon Morris, a theologian. I want to give it to you. It is not possible for us to spend all our time with the words of prayer on our lips, but it is possible for us to be all our days in the spirit of prayer, realizing our dependence on God for all we have and are, being conscious of his presence with us wherever we may be, and yielding ourselves continually to him to do his will. Such an inward state of such an inward state will of course find expression from time to time in verbal prayer. I really like that. How, how do we get this spirit of prayer? How do we walk around with this dependence on God? How do we walk around being conscious at all times of his presence with us? That's the goal here as we pray continually. How do we do these things? Well, I want to give you four tips on prayer that I have learned in my lifetime. Number one, Pray throughout your day. Now this one just comes right from our verse. We're commanded to pray continually. And I think what this means is that we walk around with an attitude of, of being willing to talk to God about whatever is going on. Or one way I like to think of this is think about all the things that you're going to do for the day and, and pray about them. And then as you're going through these things, you're going from one to the next to the next, you pray about those things. So one of the ways I live this out is um, I'm, I'm praying for the stuff that I've got on my to-do list. I'm praying for the, the people that I'm meeting with, for the things that I do for work. And then as I'm finishing up work, I pray that God would uh, give me the strength to love and to serve my family well. Um, so as always, as we're going from one thing to the next, we can be praying. So that's a, that's a good tip. Maybe at, at the end of this, I'm going to ask you to pick out one of these four tips to apply in your life. Um, maybe this is it for some of you. You just want to be more mindful about not just going from place to place or from task to task in your life, but about praying through those things as you go through them. So pray throughout your day. Now the second one is pretty different. Set specific times for prayer. So in this first one, the, the goal is to pray kind of always. Now in the second one, I, I want to encourage you to set specific times where the, your task for that time is prayer. This would be that, that time where you, um, like in the Bible it says, you, you lock yourself in your bedroom closet and you pray. This would be the time where we, we have that, that unhindered focus on God where we can just talk to him about stuff. So it's a good lesson on prayer that don't just assume that you'll get to all your prayer requests if you don't make time for them, but set specific times for prayer. Number three, make a list of people you want to pray for regularly. Now, for some of you, maybe you've already got this going. I've kind of got my mental list memorized of the people that I want to pray for every day, and, and, I, and I do that. Uh, for some of you, maybe you want to actually physically write them out. Even, like, think how strange this would be. Get out, like, a pencil and paper, or a pen and paper, and write it out. Or you can use your device if you want to as well. But get a prayer list going. The, the people that are most important to you, pray for them. And I'd encourage you to pray for them daily. And then number four, Pray scripture. Uh, there's a fascinating promise from God in 1 John 5 that he tells us that whenever we pray according to his will, he hears us, and whatever we ask, we have it. It's, it's a promise from God that when we pray according to his will, he will answer us. 
How do we get to know God's will? His word is full of his will for us. So one of the best tips I can give you on prayer is that you would pray scripture because as you're doing that, you're praying for God's heart for the things that he wants to give you in your life and he'll give them to you because that's what he does. Um, I have this illustration. I think I've used it here before, but imagine that all of your prayers from the last month were printed out on pages of paper and then somebody went through them with two colors of highlighter. The, the yellow highlighter is all the prayers that you prayed because they're just the things that you wanted. And then a blue highlighter is for all the things that you prayed because God wants them. So I want you to just get this, this picture of all these pages of your prayers over the last month before you, and they're yellow and blue. How much yellow is it, the, the prayers that you prayed just because you wanted to? And don't get me wrong, God tells us we can ask him for stuff. Okay? He's our loving father, and he likes to hear from us. But he also likes to hear from us the things that are according to his will. So how much of your prayers have been those things that God wants for you? And I just think it's great because God will give us confidence in prayer as we, as we pray like that. And then one other really cool thing happens. As, as we're praying like this, God will give us joy. Listen to what Jesus said in John 16, 24b. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. So the two commands we've looked at so far, rejoice always, pray continually, they play off of each other. As we rejoice in God, we're, we're more likely to be in prayer. And as we're praying according to God's will, he will answer us and it will increase our joy. And it's just this, it just builds and builds and builds off of each other. And that's the kind of life that God wants us to live. But then what happens when we don't pray? Well, then we miss out. We miss out on the heart of God. We miss out on, on seeing him answering our prayers. You see, in prayer, we line ourselves up with God's will. And as we pray for the things that are on his heart, he transforms our heart. That's why Jesus told us in Luke 18 that we should always pray and never give up because God is a just and loving father and he will give good gifts to his children. Now, of course, we don't always get everything we ask for. But as we pray, we're going to learn his heart and we'll learn to ask for those things that he does want for us. So let's pray continually. And I'm going to put those four things, those four tips back up on the screen. Pray throughout your day. Set specific times for prayer. Make a list of people you want to pray for regularly and pray scripture. And I just want you to think about one or two of those that you can apply in your life. Okay, let's move on now to the third command in our passage, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. Again, wow, another doozy. How, how does Paul do it? And it doesn't even take up two full lines on the PowerPoint here, and it's just incredibly difficult. When are we supposed to give thanks? In all circumstances. Now let me repeat myself. It's not that we have to say that evil things are good. It doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances as if we have to uh, say thank you for an evil thing that happened. But, it does say give thanks in all circumstances. What I think that means is that whatever circumstance we're in, we, we look, and maybe we have to look hard, but we look for something that we can thank God for. Um, I thought that this was going to be hard. I, I thought, uh, I want to tell you a little story from my life. So I, I started my ministry. I was on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ, and the president and founder of that organization, Bill Bright, has a story in which he was counseling a lady who had just lost her fiancé to a car accident, and she was just struggling, just depressed. And, and Bill Bright was, was thinking, how do I counsel this lady? And he finally asked her, 
have you given thanks in this? And, and you can imagine her response, like, what? Did I hear you right? Have, you, have I given thanks in this? No, I haven't thanked God that my fiancé died. And then he reminded her of this scripture, give thanks in all circumstances. Not that you have to say, wow, I'm so glad that he's dead, but that you would find something in it to thank God about. And I thought that this would be a challenge in, in my ministry. So just picture with me, and I'll, I'll get to you here in just a moment. Picture with me. I'm a pastor. Let's say I get called into the hospital, and it's somebody young, and it's, it's, really, it's really dire. The prognosis is bad. The, the room is somber. I walk in, and they say, Pastor, would you please pray? I'm like, oh, great. That, that's not really why most people sign up to be a pastor, by the way, for those circumstances. I thought that that sort of a thing would be hard, but it's not. Here's, here's an example of what I would pray in that situation. God, I thank you that you know all about this situation. I thank you that you are good. I thank you for the promises in the gospel that there is salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Even in this difficult time, God, we thank you for who you are. Do you see how that changes the perspective? Do you see how an attitude of thankfulness gets us to see what God is doing? If God is at work for good in all things, what we need to do is to tune ourselves in to what he's doing. So this isn't just for pastors then. This is for all of us because we all go through difficult circumstances and we're all tempted to say, well, this is just terrible. That's all there is to it. You ever said that to yourself? We've probably all said that at times. Well, let's not say it that way. Instead, let's say, give thanks in all circumstances because in any circumstance we go through, we can be thankful for at least two things. Number one, God is with his people. And number two, God has good plans for his people. So again, I thought this would be difficult, but it's not. And, and even personally, like, even when it's something that's hard for me, I, I've, I've recognized that it's actually really easy to go to God and to thank him for who he is. And I have often found that that's the first thing that needs to happen for me to get out of a spiritual slump, is to go to God and to give him thanks for who he is and for what he's doing. So that's one of my best tips, is um, pray uh, start your prayers by thanking God. I've given that one a lot here. Actually, there, there's two tips, depending on the circumstance. One would be start your prayers with thanksgiving. Or in other circumstances, it's really appropriate to start your prayers by confessing your sins. But, but either one of those ways are a good way to, to begin your conversation with God. So we can thank God in difficult times. But there, there's another side of this. Uh, we're also supposed to thank God when things are going good. Now the danger here, and we all know this one, the, the danger would be when things are going good, we forget that God is the one who has given us these good gifts. So please remember when things are going well to give God thanks for who he is and for what he's doing in your life. God is the giver of every good gift. So we all fit somewhere in this spectrum, right? Either things are going really super well for you or things are going really difficult for you or somewhere in the middle. In all circumstances, let's be people who give thanks. And this is something that we need to learn, by the way. This is not something that comes naturally for... We don't pop out of the womb this way. Uh, we don't just... Whatever. We don't pop out of the womb in general, but... Uh, <laughs> in whatever circumstances you're in, give thanks to God. And again, I would like to tell you that this is actually simple to obey. It's difficult to live out, but it's simple to obey. It's not always easy to remember to do it, but when we remember to do it, all we have to do is pray and give thanks to God. And there's actually another way that we can give thanks. So, uh, so far I've been talking about this idea of we, we pray to God and give Him thanks. 
But I want to go back to my sink analogy now for another way that we can give thanks. One of the other ways that we can give thanks to somebody is to say thank you for what you did to me. So Adam, thank you for coming and helping me with my sink. So you see what I'm doing there? I'm, I'm telling you all something kind that Adam did for me. Now, let's apply that to our spiritual life with God. Of course, we can tell God, and we should tell God, thank you for what you've done for me, but another way that we can thank him is to tell each other what God has done. And, and wouldn't that be an encouraging conversation if we just go around the room and say, here's what God has done for me. I'm so thankful that he has done X and Y and Z for me. What a God we serve. So are you a thankful person? Do you regularly thank God? In good times and in bad times, do you find ways to give thanks to the God who loves you and has good plans for you? And then let me say one more thing about giving thanks. The guy who wrote these verses, the Apostle Paul, he had lots of situations in life in which it would have been easy for him not to give thanks. In fact, he, probably more so than most of us, probably way more so than most of us, although some of us could maybe match some of the things that he's went through, he had reason um, to despair not to rejoice, not to give thanks. But remember the life of Paul? Remember um, Acts 16, he and Silas were in prison and it was midnight. And what were they doing? They were singing. They were praying and singing hymns to God. Similarly, in Romans 5, 3 through 5, Paul tells us to rejoice in our sufferings because suffering leads to perseverance and perseverance leads to character. And did I get that right? Yeah, perseverance to character. And character leads to a hope that will not disappoint us. So when difficult times come, we choose to rejoice because we know that God will do a wonderful work in our heart. So yes, even in your difficulties and in your training, your suffering, excuse me, train yourselves to thank God. And it's for everyone. I'm not getting out any waivers here. Now, if, if this were, like if I were just, you know, some guy speaking on the topic of giving thanks, I might say, well, except for those of you that are going through really hard times, you guys don't have to do that one. But I... I don't want to give out any waivers. You know how politicians sometimes give out waivers? Like, Congress comes up with this new law that's going to be good for everybody, except Congress exempts themselves from it. Isn't that frustrating when they do that? Well, guess what? I'm not giving out any exemptions here. The command the commands to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Uh, a wise man I once heard said, all means all, and that's all all means. <laughs> Pastor Josh said that one. Rejoice always. It's for every single one of us. We are all to rejoice and pray and give thanks, and we are to do so always, continually, in all circumstances. There's no waivers for if your life is hard, or if you struggle with depression, or if circumstances have gone awry, or if a loved one has passed away. There are no waivers in this. I don't want us to walk around as, as people who are glum all day. In fact, I think the best way to get out of that is to rejoice and to give thanks and to pray. So I want to close by looking at the last part of verse 18 now. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We all want to know God's will, right? Well, here we have it. It's God's will that we would be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Our lives should be defined by following these three commands. It's a mindset. It's a choice that we make to live like this. So do not let the circumstances of your life dictate the way that you live. Now, of course, we have to adjust our lives to live according to the circumstances, but our, our joy should not ebb and flow with our circumstances. 
See, if we live like this, if we trust in God's sovereignty and his goodness, we can have a joy and a peace that surpass our circumstances. We've all known people who, instead of being joyful always, they're kind of angry or upset all the time. We've all known people who, instead of praying continually, they worry all the time. And we've all known people who, instead of giving thanks in all circumstances, always seem to be able to find something negative to say. Let's not be like that. Let's be those people who, who live lives full of thankfulness and rejoicing and prayer. And let's encourage each other to do that. Two of the theologians I read this week noted that the commands in this passage are plural commands, and that means that we are to do these things together, that we encourage each other to rejoice and to pray and to give thanks. So let's help each other by setting patterns. So what pattern have you been setting? Are you one of those Debbie Downers that encourages people to be negative? Or are you one of those people that encourages others to rejoice? Again, these passages, these commands can change our lives. God will produce wonderful things in us as we trust in him like this. And if you're like me, you need reminders because these are not easy to live out. They're actually pretty easy to understand. I don't think I really taught you a bunch of new stuff about praying or being joyful or giving thanks. I think it's stuff that we know. It's just hard to live it out, so we need to be reminded. And it's like my sync project that took a lot longer than I thought it would. It took a lot of effort. These commands will take a lot of effort, but the result will be so, so good in us as God changes our hearts, and the re- result will be so good as God receives glory as we live this kind of a life. So let's be people who rejoice always, who pray continually, and who give thanks in all circumstances. And in doing so, we will live out God's will for our lives. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for setting it before us so concisely. And God, we just acknowledge that it's it's been difficult for us to pray continually, to rejoice always, to give thanks in all circumstances. in large part probably because we have had the wrong perspective so often in life. But God, would you change our hearts? Would you shape us more and more into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ? That we would be people who rejoice in whatever comes our way, knowing that you're good. Would you remind us to pray continually, to walk through our lives with that attitude of prayer and to give thanks in all circumstances, God, knowing that even if it's a difficult circumstance, that you love us and you Your heart's desire is to be with your people and to be good to us. So God, help us to remember those things and help us to obey these commands to rejoice and to pray and to give thanks. God, we want to be people who live out your will for our lives. So again, God, we thank you for giving this to us. Please help us now to live it out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.